Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. He didn't just hit the earth, he hit the oceans, and now the heavens are going to be struck themselves. You see the pattern here? The earth, the seas, and now the heavens themselves are going to be struck. A third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. Just as the, just as the third of the earth was struck, so was a third of the heavens, so was a third of the oceans. And God is going to do that. And we see this prophesied over and over again in the Old Testament. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Truth in Christ Radio with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. These first four trumpets reveal the severity of God's judgment. He attacks all the ordinary provisions, such as food and water, and he attacks all the ordinary means of comfort and knowledge, such as light and regular rhythm of days. We know the great humility that comes upon men in the midst of something like an earthquake because they know that nature is not as reliable as they had thought. With these four trumpets, the effect will be multiplied greatly. Now let's join Pastor Rob with our lesson for today. But isn't it amazing how hard our hearts can be? We can go through one thing after another and God will forewarn us every single time. Nah, it's it's just a coincidence. Are you kidding me? No coincidences. He says, But thus says the Lord God, By this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the waters which are in the river with the rod that is in my hand, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that are in the river shall die. The river shall stink. The Egyptians will loathe to drink the water of the river. And then in verse 9, back in our text this morning, It says that a third, as a result of this mountain, this meteor, this whatever it is, as a result of it hitting the oceans, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. I should think so. I mean, just think about the chemical makeup, whatever this thing is. Not not, not to mention just the percussion of this hitting the earth and this mass, such large as it is. It might even tilt the earth in a different axis. It's going to be so big, and it's going to hit so hard. Who knows what it's capable of doing, but the tsunami that comes? Guess what? Anybody docked along any, any, anywhere around the coastlines, anywhere in that area of the world, it's all going bye-bye. Does that make sense? It does. Henry Morris said this. He said, These constitute the lowest and the most basic components of many of the world's food chains. He's speaking of the, the sea life. So their destruction must produce a domino effect on many higher forms of life. And that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, there was already famine in some of the first seals that we were looking at. But now as a result of this thing coming, it's going to further kill the animals in the sea. No more sushi, folks. 
No more fish fries on Friday nights. It's going to be significant. Verse 10, And then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and fell on a third of the rivers. Notice the theme, a third. This judgment would fall on the freshwater sources of the earth, from the mountains and the underground springs. We already saw him touching the things in the seas and the oceans. Now he's going after the freshwater sources. And why? Is it because God hates? Is it because God, you know, as we look at this, you can think to yourself, boy, God is just a mean old man upstairs. He's been called that. Is he really mean? No, he's serious about judgment, but you know what? His love way outbounds his, his anger, his wrath. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a pretty good deal. When I didn't even know him, when I didn't even care to know him, he died for me. I don't know about you, but that's a love that is total benevolence. That is true agape love, self-sacrificing love, when the object of that love, there's no way they could deserve it. Did I deserve it when God intervened in my life? I had no idea. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know anything. I didn't even want it. But he invaded my life and made me aware of his presence, and I crumbled like an egg and cried convulsively as a result of my sin and my brokenness. So does God hate? No, quite the opposite. He loves, but he must judge. And it says, verse 11, the name of the star that comes down, that's like a torch. And again, this, this is another rock of some kind. And it has a name, Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood. And men died from the water because it was made bitter. You can't drink it. If you're going to be here in the tribulation period, you might want to store up on bottled water. Maybe even if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you might want to start hoarding bottled water in silos all across the world and start building it now because when this happens, you're going to be a very wealthy man. But I wouldn't recommend it because <laughs> you're, you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to enjoy it. This judgment would cause the fresh water sources to be scarce, contaminated. In fact, this word wormwood in this it simply means bitterness. It's, it's a, it causes bitterness. We see it in the Old Testament. And um, wormwood was a type of hemlock. It was a poisonous European plant of the parsley family. And it smelled horrible. And it was also as a sedative and a poisonous concoction that people would use. And it just shows how bitter this is going to be. How bitter it's going to be. C.S. Lewis, you remember the uh, British author, wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. And Screwtape was a, a senior demon who had a young protege that he was schooling, that he was, it was an apprentice to him, and his nephew's name was Wormwood. Wormwood. It's where C.S. Lewis gets the, the term Wormwood from. It's all bitterness. God wants your life to be a blessing. He wants you to be a sweet saver. And isn't it, isn't, there, isn't it true that when you walk with Christ and you enjoy his presence, that there is a sweetness about your life? You've never known before. And if you know him now, you know what I'm talking about. Before Christ, my life was filled with sin and so many wrong things. And giving my life to Christ, all of a sudden it's become sweeter and sweeter every, every passing year. Because he's unraveling more of his goodness, more of his grace. Is he doing the same with you? He is. And you may be going through difficulties, but you know what? There's something about going through difficulties 
it refines us, doesn't it? Just like gold is refined in the fire. So often in the Bible we don't understand that, how God can love so greatly and allow his people to go through such difficulties. Why would he allow Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go through what they went through? Why would he allow the Apostle Paul to go through the beatings, the shipwrecks, and ultimately being beheaded by Nero? Why would he allow that? Paul would say, you know what? These are just minor things. That's what he said. As he was awaiting the guillotine, he said, this is, these are minor afflictions. Minor afflictions. And the weight of all of those difficulties are working in me a great treasure, like gold being refined in the fire. There's really no way around it, is there? I wish there was a pill I could take that would bring me to maturity, that would bring me into refinement that God wants to bring. It would be so nice to just pop a pill. But unfortunately, we have to go through things. We're going through something right now. This whole COVID thing is unique to the world. Unique to us. We've never been here before. Is God refining? He's refining us. He's making us better. As a result of all this, I think we're all going to come out better. The world, like, remember what Joseph said to his brothers? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God loves to take things that are difficult, and he likes to turn them around and say, There was no other way I could show my glory in you but by what I've done and allowed in your life. Because I love you. And you know, when it really comes down to it, we'll stand before him and we'll receive a crown for letting God do that. And we'll gladly take that crown and lay it at his feet again. (sighs) Because we'll realize what an awesome thing he did. And we will sense the the magnificence of what he's done in our life, so much so that we'd be like, The very least I could do, Lord. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck. So now notice that God is not just hitting the earth. He didn't just hit the earth. He hit the oceans. And now the heavens are going to be struck themselves. You see the pattern here? The earth, the seas, and now the heavens themselves are going to be struck. A third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine and Likewise, the night, just as the just as the third of the earth was struck, so was a third of the heavens, so was a third of the oceans, and God is going to do that. And we see this prophesied over and over again in the Old Testament. We see it in the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains, a people come great and strong, the like of whom has never been. Joel speaks of this day of the Lord that's coming that we're looking at as we speak here, as we look in Revelation. And these things in the heavens that we all take for granted, God will even diminish those. We look up at the sun and we look up at the stars at night and the moon and we're so thankful for them. And how many times have you spent a night uh, camping or out on a boat somewhere or somewhere remotely and you've sat on a blanket and you've had that wonderful peaceful moment where you've just laid on your back and you've looked up at the stars and there's no towns anywhere nearby for tens of miles and all you see is the stars. We see that when we go to the Adirondacks. We see those kinds of things. And all of these things at that time in history after the church was removed, those things will be diminished those things that we have 
taken for granted, perhaps. The people on the earth at that time will have taken it for granted. Notice verse 13, and we'll end here. And I looked, and I heard an angel, heard an angel flying through the heavens, the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So, we get to this fourth trumpet. And there's three more that are coming. The fifth, the sixth, and the seventh. And the angel says that the fifth one is a woe, the sixth one is a woe, and the seventh seventh one is a woe. And we see these very clearly laid out in Scripture for us. In Revelation 9, you can, go, you can look at these up and take a look at them yourselves as we progress further into Revelation next week. But in Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 11, it tells us that this is the first woe. In fact, the very last verse... Of, of chapter 9, verse 12, it says, One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Metatauta, after these things. So one woe is past. And what is that woe in chapter 9? It was a demonic horde coming from the abyss that looked like scorpions of some kind. We, we've never seen anything like this before. But God is going to unleash from the abuso some kind of creature that's going to be able to sting people on the earth for, and they're going to torment men for five months. This, we've never experienced anything like this. This is literally a movie that you might watch. You think all that stuff is, you know, the imagination of some of those guys, they get a lot of this from the Bible. They think, oh, it's just a bunch of science fiction. This will never happen. But hey, people buy it. They go to the movie and they'll watch it. Hey, some of that stuff is going to happen. In fact, some of the stuff you see in science fiction is going to be pale in comparison to what's coming. The horror of it and the helplessness and the hopelessness of many, I can't imagine it. In Revelation chapter 9, verse 13, from 13 down through chapter 11, verse 14, is another woe. Because at the end of uh, chapter 11, verse 14, or 13, or 14, it says, the second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. So what happened between Revelation 9 and Revelation 11? We see a couple of things. We see the Euphrates horsemen and the hosts that are going to these kings of the east that are going to be coming. We're going to see also the plagues of the two witnesses that will judge the earth. These two witnesses that we read about in Revelation chapter 11, these two things at the very least are going to be considered the second woe. And then the third woe we will see will be in Revelation 12. And why is Revelation 12 the third woe? Because it speaks of the devil being cast out of heaven and his angels. They will no longer be able to have access to heaven. Right now the devil can access heaven. Did you know that? He can go right before the throne of God. He said, have you considered my servant Job? Remember that in, in, in Job chapter 2, in chapter 1? Have you considered my servant Job? That's shocking to me that the devil is actually able to approach God in his throne. But there's coming a time when that access will be denied. They will no longer be able to inhabit and, 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 and be in the heavens at all. He's the prince of the power of the air, Satan, is he not? Isn't that what the Bible says? He's the prince of the power of the air. Is it any wonder that he's got the radio stations? Is it any wonder that he's got the media? The prince of the power of the air? 
the radio waves. He's got influence, sway over the whole world right now. But these three woes, and then finally the third woe is the very thing that we see in Revelation chapter 12. And what does it say in Revelation 12, verse 12? An easy way to remember it. It says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Notice, woe to the inhabitants of the earth now, for the devil has and the, and the sea. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has but a short time. He knows his doom is coming. And see, that's something that we don't always understand about the devil. He knows more information than you and I do, than we do. But he is so bent on taking away anything that could possibly be valuable to God. That is an evil that you can't imagine. An evil that knows that his end is coming and his only recourse then is to take what God loves. And what does God love? What is the value to God of all the things on the earth that he's created? You and I. He wants to destroy you. Why has he been doing it all these years? Why has he been hooking you on pornography? Why has he been hooking you on drugs and alcohol? Why has he been hooking you on stealing and thieving and lying and living a life of complete disobedience? Why has the devil infiltrated your life like that? Why? Because he wants to take the one thing away from God, the only thing he can. See, he knows his doom is certain, but if he's going to go down, he's going to take as many of us as he can. And God says, well, try as you might. And you're going to get some, Satan, and that's good enough for him. Isn't that sick? That's how sick he is. He doesn't care. His doom is sure. He's read the book of Revelation. He knows what's coming. He doesn't know how it's all going to happen. He's not omniscient like God is. He knows his end is coming, and so he wants to take everyone that he can away. And he doesn't know how many people God's going to allow. Because God doesn't intervene in the heart of a man. He does, actually, but he gives many opportunities to come to him. But God will not force you to receive him, but you have the ability to reject him. And that's good enough for Satan, because he's like, you know what, I don't care. I just want as many as possible because I'm taking them away from you. That's his heart. Does that sound ugly? I remember hearing of a a story one time, and this is kind of like the same kind of evil. And I believe this is a true story. A man was cheating on his wife with a prostitute, and the man woke up the morning afterwards from this fling that he had and written on lipstick on the window or on the mirror, Welcome to the wonderful world of AIDS. The woman that he had the fling with had AIDS. And now he's infected. And that was many, 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 many years ago when there was actually no hope for people who got it. You just slowly wasted away till you died. Death sentence. That's the kind of evil that Satan has. And even worse. But aren't you glad (laughs) for Jesus? And yet these woes are coming. And so in the next few weeks, we'll be looking at, we've looked at these first four trumpets. Next week, we'll look at the fifth and then the sixth. And then we'll look at these uh, parenthetical chapters in 10 down through 11, verse 14. We'll look at those before we get to the seventh trumpet. The heat is turning up, isn't it? The heat is going to be turning up in this time period that we're talking about. Each successive wave is getting worse and worse, harder and harder and harder. And there'll be many who come to Christ who will 
You know, like when you had, when you played, when you wrestled with your brother, like I did when I was young, and he would twist my arm, and I go, "Uncle, uncle, uncle," and then he would stop. He actually didn't stop; he kept twisting. And I love him too. But God is going to keep ratcheting these things up, and yet there'll be people who will shake their fist at him, at the Lord, and say they will still hate him. Calamity does that to us, doesn't it? It either produces within us a heart of surrender and brokenness, or it creates bitterness and anger and vehemence. Isn't it true? And there are times that I feel that emotion. There are times when I feel vehement and I feel, you know, like that. And there are other times when God breaks me and I'm just like, Lord, I'm done. You know, I just fall down into a pile of mush. And everyone's different. Sometimes it takes a lot to crush you. Sometimes it takes a lot for you to say, Uncle. And the Lord knows what it is. And for us right now, he doesn't do those things to harm us. He'll chasten us if necessary, the church. But he doesn't do it to destroy us. But at this time, there will be destruction. And yet in his grace, he allows people to come to him. Very difficult, though. It's going to be very difficult. So as we read these things, let's stand together and let's... Examine our own hearts this morning and say, Lord, I don't want to play games anymore. These things are coming. The signs are around us. I mean, you can see them, can you not? See the signs that are all around us. Jesus spoke of these things, wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilences. He said these things are the beginning of birth pangs, the beginning of sorrows. We're starting to see those things in a greater frequency and even a greater... um, It's happening, isn't it? So it's time for us, church, to wake up. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to be in prayer Please join us in prayer on Tuesday nights. We meet in the fellowship hall. There's plenty of room. If there's ever a time that we need to be praying, it is right now. We need to be praying right now. Pray with your families. Pray with the church. Get together. It's only an hour. Can you afford an hour on a Tuesday night? I think we all could. The sun is still shining when we're done. You can go for your walk afterwards. But let's be people of prayer. Let's pray for our own hearts, that we don't get discouraged. Let's pray for others, that they will come to know Christ. Pray for our families and friends, our co-workers. And pray for the Lord to return soon. Amen? Father, we thank you. Lord, we, we recognize that these are very difficult things that we're reading. But Lord, it is a timely message for us. Because we do see things ratcheting up. We see the heat being turned up, Lord. The things that we've put confidence in are, 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 are disintegrating before our eyes. Lord, help us to put faith in nothing else but your Son, Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed for our sins. For our sin. And Lord, help us to be ambassadors for you, Lord. Help us to reach out and love And, Lord, never fail to warn people, Lord. It's never easy, Lord. I'd much rather just tell them good news. Lord, I just want to tell them good news, but there's no good news unless you hear the bad news. The good news is because that there's bad news. Help us not to forget the bad news. And then give them the best news ever, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love you and we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said?
I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.